way. Whoa! Hold your horses. It's time for Kootenai for Kids. Your history lesson in just a few minutes without having to sit in that annoying desk. Brought to you by Kootenai Brown Pioneer Village in Pincher Creek, Alberta. By your education coordinator, Ranger Gore. Well, hello everybody, and I hope that uh, there's some young folk around here. This is Ranger Gord from Kootenai Brown Pioneer Village, and I'm your education coordinator there, if you don't know who I am. But in the face of, of the, the crisis that we are facing here in March of 2020, as we know, there are many schools that are shut down and many public facilities, and uh, at Kootenai Brown Pioneer Village, we are not unaffected because uh, part of our job at the village is to do educational programs and that's a problem because if the schools aren't in they're not coming on field trips even our museum itself accessing it is a slight problem right now because like most public facilities we are on lockdown we are still working but we just can't open the doors to the general public and that's just to keep everybody safe but i'm not going to go on about that too much new series is called Kootenai for Kids and what we're going to do here is we're going to try and keep the old historical narrative going and the, all the stories that we try to tell at the village going and uh, basically we're just trying to do an educational program online and uh, of course I'm not going to be grading you on any of this this is something you do on your own time and this is something you can listen to on your home computer and if you have access to your phones or laptops or or something like that you can listen to these podcasts this way and we'll try to get out one a day at least and maybe more we'll see how it's going but for now, I'm going to start off the way we probably always should start off our histories at Kootenai Brown Pioneer Village by talking about... Who am I going to talk about? Oh, I'm going to talk about Kootenai Brown himself. Now, I'm going to slightly read... Now, I'm not just going to read it ver- uh, right off the page. From a book called Johnny Chinook. And this was a book that many of us, like like Farley and Ranger Gord grew up with in the days that got them in history. And it's called Tall Tales and True from the Canadian West. Tall Tales sometimes means stories that are maybe true, maybe have they have some basis in truth, but they might just have a lot of bit of an exaggeration. Now, this man who wrote this book in 1945, not that, not that Ranger Gord is that old, but Mr. Robert E. Gard, He collected these folk tales from around Alberta. Now, I'm not going to read it right off the page because the language sometimes is kind of old and some of it just doesn't fit today, several years later. But the stories are still there. So they're good to to talk about. And the one I'm going to talk about is in Chapter 11 of Johnny Chinook. And it's called The Tale of Kootenai Brown and the Saga of the Mountain Oil. And those of you who have been to the village, or even if you haven't been to the village, you know that our museum is named after this man, Kootenai Brown, and that we have his building. In fact, that was the start of our museum way back in 1966. So let's learn about what Kootenai Brown and the Mountain Oil is all about. 
while Kootenai Brown was named by his parents as John George Brown. Now, Mr. Guard says he was rumored to be a son of Queen Victoria's uh, bodyguard, John Brown of Scotland. Now, that's not true. That's something that probably they thought of when this book was written, but that has proven not to be true. He has no relationship to Queen Victoria. And he first saw the water and lakes in the late 1860s. He was in a hurry at the time since he was being chased by a party of hostile Tunaxa. And Tunaxa is the, also known as the word Kootenai. So we think that this story um, that we're about to tell you is probably also where John George Brown got his name of Kootenai Brown. But as he was being chased, he paused long enough to appreciate the beauty of the spot. He made a vow that he would return to Waterton Lakes to live just as soon as he was able to shake off the people that were chasing him. Now, those of you who have been to Waterton Lakes should know that, that where he probably saw the lake and saw the beauty was, he was probably standing right on top of the bear hump. And I think just about every kid in southern Alberta that grew up here has been, climbed the bear hump one time or another. Now, Kootenai Brown eventually did return, and he established a trading post. That means a store at the Dardanelles. And the Dardanelles is uh, sort of a little piece of land between the middle and lower lakes of Waterton Lakes. And you can see the, that from the highway when you drive into the park now. And when he came back, he brought with him a Métis lady by the name of Olivia, who was his wife. But not very long after they arrived to Waterton, Olivia passed away. And later, Kootenai Brown brought to his cabin a woman of the of the Cree tribe. And her name was Chinipetakwakosan. I'm going to try that again, because I'm not sure if I got it right the first time. Chinipetakwakosan. I think I got it that. And that means in her Cree language, flash of blue lightning. And some of you have been to the village, have heard us speak of Nichimus. And that's who Nichimus was. That was also Kootenai Brown's name for his wife. Some other folks called her Isabella. Now, there are many folk tales about Kootenai Brown. He was said to be an Oxford graduate. That means Oxford uh, College in uh, in England, and now Mr. Guard lists all of his jobs that Kootenai Brown had over his year. <sighs> Take a deep breath, it's a long list. He was an army officer, he was a convict, he was a jailer, he was a sailor, he was a prospector, he was a dispatch rider, he was an interpreter, he was a storekeeper, he was a buffalo hunter, a rancher, a cow puncher, a game warden, a park superintendent, and other things. Wow, I'm glad we don't know the other things, because that list was pretty long. And he was certainly one of the first, uh, let's call him a Europeans, to cross the Canadian plains with the pack horse and he earned his name of Kootenai as a result of trading activities and his command of the language of the Tanaxa natives who also are known as the Kootenai and Kootenai Brown was a great tale spinner that means he liked to tell stories and one of the ones he was fond of was the saga how he found oil in the mountain and the tale has slightly different versions because over time sometimes stories do change you have to remember we don't have Wikipedia in the old days to check up on things. And sometimes that doesn't work either. But this is the way Kootenai Brown told it in 1914 to Mr. D.E. Cameron, who was the librarian at the University of Alberta. Well, it seems that in 1876, Dr. George Dawson of the Geological Survey of Canada made a trip to the Waterton Lakes and he hired Kootenai as a guide through the wilderness. When leaving, Mr. Dawson asked Kootenai whether he'd ever seen crude oil. Kootenai said, I wouldn't know crude oil if I saw it. Well, Dawson took 
took a bottle and he put a little grease and some kerosene oil in the bottle and then he shook it up and then he opened the, the cork in the bottle and he told Kootenai to smell the mixture. <laughs> Ugh. It wouldn't smell too good. But he asked Kootenai to let him know if you ever see anything like it amongst your travels in the mountains to be sure to let me know. Well, Kootenai took that bottle home and he put it on his shelf where it remained for a very long time. Now, the Nakoda people from the, what we know of now as the Stonies in Banff used to visit Waterton at regular intervals. One day when the Nakoda were there preparing to hunt, Kootenai remembered that bottle that Mr. Dawson had mixed for him. Well, he had some of the Nakoda chief look at the mixture and he smelled it and asked them to let him know if they discovered anything that smelled just like it. Kootenai left Waterton himself to guide a party through British Columbia, and then the Nakoda went off on their own hunt. Sometime later, one of the Nakoda hunted up Kootenai Brown, and he showed Kootenai a bottle that they had found, and it looked just like the stuff that Mr. Dawson had given, and it was full of crude oil. He explained that he had found it at Cameron Creek, where he said there was a whole pool of the stuff. Kootenai Brown took the bottle home, and just like the first bottle, he put it on a shelf, and he forgot about it. Well, later on, Kootenai Brown had a man working for him from Cardston, and his name was Bill Aldridge. And Bill Aldridge was out cutting hay one day, and suddenly he showed up at Kootenai's cabin. And that's the cabin that we have at the at the at the village to tell him that he'd have to go to Pincher Creek for oil. He had run out and the mower was running too hot. The mower goes back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And when it, when you don't have oil in there, it can seize up and that means it can get so hot that it expands and it can shut down and it also can start fires too. So Mr. Aldridge needed oil to lubricate his his hay mower. Well, Kootenai Brown said that he was going to Pincher Creek himself and he'd bring back some oil. But Mr. Aldridge wanted to get on with his day and he asked him, was, well, do you have any oil on the place to just get me through the day? Well, Kootenai at first said no. He had no use for oil. But then he remembered he had that old bottle that, that the Nakoda had given him. And it was still on his shelf in his cabin. Well, he brought the bottle out and said, Will this stuff do? Well, Aldridge took out the cork and he whiffed a big whiff. He looked startled and yelled, where did you get that stuff? Mr. Aldrich had apparently lived in Texas, where they knew, definitely knew what oil was, and he knew what was in that bottle. Kootenai told him where the pool was, and Aldrich at once exclaimed, I'm quitting the hay business. So Mr. Aldrich went up to the mountain to find the pool, and he built a shack. And for some years, he made his living by straining the oil through a gunny sack. And if you don't know what a gunny sack is, it's sort of like the what you put potatoes in when you're harvesting them in the fall. It's a burlap sack is what it's called. And he would sell this oil that he strained through the gunny sack and squeezed into a bottle to the farmers so that they could uh, lubricate their mowers and put it on their wagon wheels so that they wouldn't squeak and other things. Finally, Mr. Aldrich was making so money, so much money on this oil that an oil company heard about it and they went up onto Cameron Creek and they drilled an oil well. One morning while the well was being drilled, Kootenai was having a breakfast and suddenly he heard a horse galloping up the trail from the lakes and he went out to meet the rider and it was a man from the drilling rig. The man was very excited but managed to say, you have to hitch up right away. Go to Pincher. 
We've struck a gusher. Get a hold of the stock. The man was so excited he didn't even want Kootenai to finish his breakfast. Well, Kootenai wasn't as excited as the man was, but so he did finish his breakfast. And while he was eating, he was thinking that he'd like to see this gusher with his own eye. So he saddled up and he rode over to where the oil derrick was. And when he came within sight of that well, he could see the crew standing around the derrick. Their eyes were popping out of their heads so far that you could hang your hat on them. They were very excited. In the middle of the circle, the oil was coming out in great bursts. And there'd be another great whoosh and another. Well, Kootenai wasted no time. He rode off to Pincher Creek and he thought, wow, we could make a fortune on this. But when he heard, was nearing his own cabin, he heard another horse coming along behind him. And the rider shouted to Kootenai to stop. He was told that the gusher had ceased to gush. Now, when you get some of these old stories, you have to realize that there are other people that would like to tell their versions of the story. And we've been hearing the one that Kootenai Brown himself told to Mr. Cameron, but Mr. Samuel Ora Card, who had founded the town of Cardston. Our Ranger Guard, don't you mean Charles Ora Card? He had his own side of the story, and he said that Bill Aldridge was actually called Mountain Bill, and that he had heard that there was oil in the mountains, so Mountain Bill and his son Oliver, then about 13 years old, set off to find it. They took their their bed rolls and the frying pan and the coffee pot, and they tramped up through the thick timber, going up what is now the Akamina Highway. And one noon camp, the old gentleman sent Oliver to the creek for a pail of water while Bill built the fire. And Oliver shouted to his father, Ah, Dad, come on down here and see this black water. So Mountain Bill drudged down the creek to see the oil seepage in the wallow, where the bears had been covering themselves with oil at the edge of the creek. Old Bill tasted it, and he felt it, and he smelt it, and he said, My gosh, boy, that's oil! Well, Mountain Bill threw a log across the creek, and he caught the oil as it seeped into what is now Cameron Brook, or Cameron Creek. So now the oil wasn't seeping down into the creek anymore. It was kind of collecting in a pool. And with this done, he came back with the gunny sacks that I was talking about, and he dropped them flat on the surface where the oil was floating on the water. And then he wrung them out into a barrel. And then he boiled the oil to get the water out and to thicken the dripping. So he took the oil to Cardston, some 40 miles, and he sold it for... (coughs) lubricating oil like for the mowers and he also sold it for ugh, ugh, I hope my cough never gets this bad cough medicine a sore throat cure and a sure cure for pneumonia and an antiseptic gargle boy when we think of gargling we think of mouthwash and I don't want to think about what your mouth is going to f- taste like when you when you gargle with oil but they had some funny ideas about medicines one time when Mountain Bill was returning from a trip in Cardston he took very ill and he was afraid he was going to die so he said to his boy Oliver, go to the jockey box and get me a bottle of oil. It is sure to kill me or cure me. And he took two swallows of straight crude and he was able to drive back to Waterton Lake. Now that's what I call a tall tale, kids. Now we hear a story that comes from Mr. Dr. McNabb. And Mr. McNabb talked about a man by the name of A.P. Patrick, 
who he met as an old man while he was in his 94th year and recovering from a broken hip in the hospital in Calgary. Now I'm going to hit Mr. Patrick's version of finding the mountain oil. And it went something like this. Kootenai fell in with some Nakotas and he asked them about crude oil. What is that? asked the Nakota. So Kootenai filled half a cup with blackstrap molasses and he added some kerosene and then he stirred the sticky mess and he held it under the noses. If you see anything oozing out of the ground that looks and smells like that, you hustle and you tell me. And shortly after, they reported finding an oil spring. Kootenai staked the claim and forgot all about it. Now some of these stories, like we say, all have the same things in them. They're just told in a different way. Now, sometime later, a man by the name of Lafayette French came along, and we'll probably tell a story about Mr. Lafayette French in a future episode. Well, he got hurt around Waterton, and a native lady decided to grease his wounds with a particular grease. And, of course, he sniffed, and he thought he knew it was crude oil. And a little later, Lafayette French ran into Patrick, who had a ranch west of Calgary. French mentioned the accident, and he mentioned that salve and the two men hunted up that lady and offered a rifle and ponies if she would lead them to the oil well getting ponies that's kind of like getting uh getting money in those times and i'm sure there's a lot of kids listening here that would like to be get paid in ponies well they set out in the spring and by the fall that lady was still leading them around in the mountains she was holding out for the sake holding out for those ponies one morning lafayette french told the, the nakota that they were breaking camp and going home. And that lady watched them, but suddenly discovered that they had taken all her grub, all of her food. Well, she rode like a fury. And Lafayette French says, you lied to us. We intend to go home. Well, she changed her mind and said that she would really lead them to the oil. And three days later, they found a thin trickle of oil coming out the foot of a spruce tree. Well, Mr. Patrick found a British geologist at Calgary. And that's a kind of a scientist that specializes in things that come out of the ground, like rocks and oil. And that geologist would come up and inspect their discovery. And the geologist got to within 10 miles of the find and he suddenly decided there couldn't be oil in the mountains and he refused to go up. Meanwhile, Mountain Bill had discovered the oil and set up a tiny little refinery on the spot. And that's the boiling that we were talking about early. Selling the oil as lightning fluid and medicine for men and horses. Finally, Mr. Patrick interested two businessmen, John Lineham and J.K. Leeson of Calgary in his oil find. And they called, formed a company called the Rocky Mountain Development Company. And they purchased land and a drilling out fit for $700 and took over a specially constructed road to the oil seepage. Drilling was started in November 1901. After drilling for 10 months, they reached a depth of 1,010 feet. That's a long ways into the ground when they struck oil. And Patrick estimated that the well flowed at 300 barrels of crude a day. So Ranger Gord, how much is 300 barrels? Well, let's see. A barrel is 45 gallons. So how much is that? Well, 300 times 45 is 13,500. Gallons, that is. Ranger Gord, we're in 2020. We don't speak in gallons. Good thinking, old chump. There are 4.54 liters in a gallon. Therefore, 4.54 times 13,500 equals... 61,290 liters. Holy metric system! 
And a small boom developed. And by, by boom, we mean that's sort of when you get a lot of people spending a lot of money. We get a lot of booms in Alberta these days about oil, but sometimes booms always bust, don't they? Well, they called this place, they gave it a name, and it was called Oil City. And for a time, there was a number of people living there on the side of the mountain at Oil City. And there was another company came along, the Pincher Creek Oil and Development Company. And they got a hold of, of some land right now next to the creek, but they had to cross the Rocky Mountain Company's lease. They shall not pass, was the cry. When the Pincher Creek outfit tried to get around it one night, the men of the Rocky Mountain Company turned out with sticks, stones, and, uh uh-oh, guns to stop them. Wagons were broken up, and they even took their horses' harnesses and cut them to pieces. So people were willing to fight and be greedy over this oil. But that boom was soon over, and the discovery, well, well, it petered out, just as Kootenay Brown told us it did. Anyway, the whole enterprise was just didn't work out because they had bad roads and they were a long ways away from anybody that could do anything from the, with the oil meaning oil refineries. Even in the hospital in the 1940s, Mr. Patrick was still going strong and he was still willing to organize a company to open up the Waterton oil fields. Well, I'm going to leave it right there because we're running a little long, but we'll tell more about Kootenay Brown in later podcasts. So I hope you've enjoyed that story and I hope you come back and we'll tell, see if we can tell some more historic stories on Kootenay for kids. And if you ever want to ask Ranger Gord a question, well, Ranger Gord has an email. You can always talk to him and we'll put this email in with the show notes that comes up with the podcast, but I'll give it to you right now. edcoordinator.kbpv at gmail.com. And of course, KBPV stands for Kootenay Brown Pioneer Village. And if you can't get through on that, don't worry. You can always call the museum or come to our website, which is kootenaybrown.ca. Well, I hope everybody's uh, keeping well, and we'll talk to you later. Well, that's all for now, folks. Tune in again for more stories from Kootenay for Kids. You'll find us on your favorite podcatcher or set your interwebs on kootenaybrown.ca.com.